Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... I am a tired Big Kurt. Tired Big Kurt? Are you on Twitter? Tired Big Kurt is on Twitter, but he's Big Kurt on Twitter right now. At B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. I guess I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I got seven and a half glorious hours of sleep last night, which doesn't happen in our house very often. I feel amazing. Uh, that's great. Yeah. I, I probably, I actually probably got the same because I was so tired. Okay. But it just didn't catch me up. You need one more day. Yeah. You'll feel great tomorrow. All right. Um, so as we record this podcast, I, I believe if my calendar is correct, it is still September. It is the evening of Wednesday, September 29th, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. How crazy is it that just in a couple days after people get this podcast, Nebraska and Illinois will be halfway done with their regular season? It's crazy, but it shows us that God does have mercy on some of us. <laughs> I saw your, your answer to Twitter on that. That was hilarious. Here's another way. Here's another way to put this, okay? With uh, Illinois and Nebraska will be halfway done with their season, and it could be before Wisconsin gets their second win. Man, <laughs> think about that. Whoa, that kind of puts my it, mind actually. right. It kind of yeah. puts it into perspective a little bit. Not saying that's what's going to happen necessarily, but it's very available that that's what could happen. All right, a couple of random thoughts here. Yeah. So I felt like last year, we only got seven games this week, right? I mean, do eight. you want to? I think it's eight. Is it I, eight? We, we got the Ocho. We got, we got, oh, we, we do have eight because we've got, my bad, we've got eight total, seven on Saturday. Good job. Correct. There. Okay. Um, Big Friday night showdown. Yeah. Which we will get to Park. in a little bit. Um, anyways, eight games yeah. this week. Down from the 11-14 clip that we've been going to. So yes. that's actually kind of nice a little bit. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about these games. But anyways, um, last year, I believe the conversation that I'm about to discuss, we were mostly spared this last year because so much of the football was just happening interconference. Yeah. But here we are four weeks into the season, and the they haven't played anybody conversation has it's not only flared up it's it's flared up and on steroids even compared to many different years okay what well, give me an example of one you've seen well obviously I, typically when i get angered by these you know it's something near and dear to my heart uh but this year i mean both iowa and penn state i mean right now as far as how their schedule uh, their teams are being portrayed on podcasts and, and things that you might click on in the Twitter sphere. They're kind of, we got another Spider-Man meme going on, but uh, with Penn State, well, you know, the Auburn win, that just doesn't look very good anymore. Almost lost to Georgia Southern. That that one's out the door. Wisconsin loses. By the way, Georgia Southern's not bad. They are, they are a pretty good football they're, they're team. They're spicy, yeah. Uh, Wisconsin loses to Notre Dame. Never mind that Wisconsin had the lead 13 to 10 in the fourth quarter on a top 12 team. Well, all that anyone nationally sees is the 41 to 13, which I pretty much think for the most part, especially if you're in the South. So those, those wins that Penn state, they mean nothing now with Iowa. It's, it's Iowa state and Indiana. Uh, never mind that in both cases, Penn state and Iowa have given these teams half their losses on their schedule because they did play teams that performed better than them the day that they played. Um, I threw a, a tweet out this week complaining about Iowa State, again, as I am wont to do on Twitter, but 
and I don't think to this day that I that Iowa State's bad. I still don't. I still think they're a pretty good team. Sure. It's just incredible how people are just willing to just any wins like that. They're they're just gone. They're out. Right. You played nobody. Nobody's played anybody unless, of course, you're in the SEC. So you make the mistake of listening to these national podcasts, and I think you probably watch like I don't know infinitely more ESPN than I do because I just what you. No, you're wrong there. The only time I turn on ESPN is when I'm watching a college football game. Okay, so you literally don't watch any of their college football coverage? No. Okay, I thought you zero. did watch a little bit, because no. I watch zero of it. I, I mean, next to zero. If, if you're zero, I'm maybe a one on a scale of one okay. to 100. I, and by the way, they do a great job broadcasting games. I just don't want to watch any of their commentary. No, I, I maybe click on 20 to 30 minutes of college game day to have something on in the background, you know, uh, but then I switch right to Fox noon. So okay. big noon. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, on that topic, I just started listening to the Sage Steele interview on the new Jay Cutler podcast. Yeah. I haven't listened to any of the Jay Cutler. It, podcasts, I'm only like, though. I'm 10 minutes into my first one. So I gotcha. don't know if it's any good or not. Uh, my Jay Cutler uh, experiences go from the reality TV show that he was on with his yeah. now ex-wife. Yeah. My wife loved that show. I started watching it because, you know, you got to watch something together. And then once I got to know Jay Cutler, I'm like, oh, yes. I love this guy. He's, oh, he's, such great, a, he's he? a lovable prick. I he mean, is. that's exactly yes. how you like him. Yeah. Um, so continuing on with the haven't played anybody, um, a word to the wise uh, to maybe maybe uh, fans of a certain ex-Michigan basketball player on Twitter, um, when you're crapping down other teams in your cra- conference – in the Big Ten, you're also hurting your own chances yeah. to get resume building wins. So I think I so know who cheering you're referring for to. Notre Dame to beat Wisconsin, if you think about it, is pretty dumb because you're now about to play Wisconsin. you're about to play Wisconsin. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather it had been a ranked Wisconsin? Yes. Because it's very plausible for me to see Alabama and Georgia meeting in the SEC championship, both undefeated. Doesn't even matter the score, what happens in the game. They're both in the college football playoff. They're both playoff in it, yes. Of because course. they are just, it's written in the stone. Because everyone case. wants to be George, wants Georgia to be in, right? That's just, and and that's Alabama's much... in every year, so you got to put them in. So that there's two spots. And if correct. And I, my math is correct out of four, that's 50% of the slots right there. If Oregon wins out, yeah. even if Oregon drops one and wins out with that win versus Ohio State, if they came head to head with Ohio State, uh, you know, maybe getting ahead of myself, but with Michigan too, if they won out except for one loss, you know what I'm saying? Like all of these data points matter. So a healthier Big Ten on both East and West should be something that all Big Ten's fans strive for. Unless you crazy? Just, unless you just don't have a lot of confidence in your team. You just want to play in the weakest opponent possible. Okay. I'm, I guess I am maybe more speaking to the upper echelon fans of which all right but you had mentioned this specific former michigan Correct. basketball player right who cheers for michigan so maybe he just isn't very confident in this team mm, that's a spicy take right there um and by the way ohio state's still in this thing too so their fan and i haven't seen it from their fans to be honest with you but ohio state fans want a healthy conference as well with that being said i would never expect in a million years for an Indiana fan to chew to cheer for Purdue no, in no, any no. way, shape, or form, or Purdue for Indiana. So that is completely different. That's a rivalry thing. But anyways, um, and then you want to have a a real deep cut take. You ready for this? Okay, let's because I'm obviously kind of 
It, it kind of gets nothing into better your, than a deep cut. It's that deep. It's very superficial. Actually, oh, okay. Um, shallow cut. Here. Shallow cut. <laughs> shallow cut. But it's also kind of in your your realm a little okay. bit. Okay. But um, and it's also in angry old man yells at cloud. Oh, so it's too. right up my. It's alley. right up your alley. Yeah. The the sticky underarm things that football players wear. Those oh, like those always annoyed me. Okay. I can't stand them. And yeah, like, I can't look away from them when they're on the screen, right? <laughs> so I'm not the only one. No. So there's two things. Number one, um, uh, when they have the sticky underarm things, which I would, somebody's got to tell me what the name of those things are. Let's I do just not call know. them sticky underarm sticky things. Sticky underarm things. Okay. I understand on field turf when you wear it, but I've seen now guys wear them for, for natural grass. And somebody would have to tell me, yeah, because I don't believe. Yeah, I understand the, the, the burn. makeup of an elbow and grass has changed in the last fifteen <laughs> to twenty-five to one hundred years. So I feel like, especially with the, the I mean, the like Purdue's field looks like a putting green. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, not I mean, not so much the field in Evanston. That one is a little bit like the rough. You know, it's, okay. You got the putting green in West Lafayette, the deep rough and. Evanston. Evanston, yeah. That's so maybe point. that maybe that's really abrasive on the elbow. I don't know. Okay, so that's that's the one part. And you know, then there could be weeds in there. Could be weeds. Burrs. You don't know. Um, the other part is with, with the sticky underarm stuff, when it starts to peel off at the end of the game. Yeah, I can't, it looks terrible. I, I want to reach through my TV screen and rip it off so Why bad. Why not do one of those sleeves with the guys that wear like the sleeves? Sleeves I like. Sleeves good and, luck and I for mean, me. I mean, you can wear the long sleeve undershirt, but I'm talking about the the guys that just have the sleeve that's yeah. just over their arm. Love it. And you can pull it. That looks fine. Do you no remember back in the 90s, the sleeves that were just in the forearm sleeves? Oh, yeah, but they were padded, you mean. But they were, they had stickiness to it. They had tackiness to them. Newman, oh, Newman guess, made those. They, Newman oh, I made don't the, remember those. Oh, those, those, were, those. I mean, the Newmans. Ass. You had to have the Newmans. Oh, God, the Newmans. Those were so great. I mean, they're the, they're the gold glove for athletic gloves. That's all there is to it. I wish I still had my Newmans God, from back I mean, in the day. If I, would, like, if I could go back in time, I would tell high school Jeff, like, just keep those Newmans. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and actually keep them in a freezer bag so that every now and then you just open them up and you could smell whatever that like skunky tacky stuff was i could smell well, it right now in my sweat head. yeah of course oh you want to talk about a nostalgic smell that would be right there okay if anybody wants to send some some newman swag to the downstairs athletic club preferably stinky that game worn <laughs> yeah, i, I want to game i want to smell it all right you got any any stupid things like i just added or <laughs> no i didn't that, i'm sorry i didn't come no. up with anything stupid for this podcast all right as discussed as corrected by my podcast partner we have eight games this week one on friday seven on saturday they did an okay job mixing these up i think they could have done a little bit better but first game up this friday october 1st the 4-0 ranked number five Iowa Hawkeyes traveling out to College Park to take on the 4-0 should be ranked Maryland Terrapins. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Line Hawks by three and a hook. Over under 47.5 looks to be perfect weather on Friday night. Vegas is saying something along the lines of 24 to 21 Hawks. 65% of the money is on the Hawkeyes. Hmm. Interesting. First thing that came to mind for me with this game is, ooh, Locks is coaching in a big game 
and I think he's got a shot to win a big game. He hasn't done that yet, really. Yeah, I mean, the as a head coach. I don't know if it was the last time, but one of the more memorable last times that Maryland played uh, a night game, I think it was a Friday night game, is okay. when Penn State came into town, and I don't think any Maryland fans listening to this want to remember that game. I mean, it was literally, I think, 59 to nothing or something like that yeah. at halftime. Do you Tw- remember that? 2019, right? Yeah. Was yeah. it? I think it was 2019. It had to be 2019. Yeah. Much, it will be a much different outcome this Friday. But night. my point is they're undefeated. Yeah. And they're playing an undefeated team. And it's the only game on the whole country's going to be watching this. So I, first of all, I want to say I have a lot of confidence in Maryland right now on both sides of the ball. And then I started thinking, Locks, wow, what a big game. He could, this, he could really make a statement here. And my question would be, with Maryland fans hearing that part, does that make them excited or a little nervous? Well, Maybe both. I think I think that's kind of what I'm driving at when I get to the okay. end of this thing. Okay. But obviously, high-powered offense in College Park. Yeah. Great wide receivers. Did you know Dante Damas leading the Big Ten in receiving yards? Yep. And then you got him going against that great defensive backfield for the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's going to be an awesome matchup. Yeah, it is strength against strength, not so strong against not so strong. The other but their defense is better. It's much improved, yeah. Maryland's defense, statistically speaking, much better than Iowa's offense. I don't yes. think that's up for debate. Correct. Um, the other thing I would point out, too, with these two teams, could you have two football programs with a more opposite view on how to attack the game of football. I mean, than no, Kirk not Ferentz's Iowa Hawkeyes and Mike Lockley's I, Maryland. I, I mean, that's a great point. You, you've got you got on one side discipline, uh, you know, ball control, field position, special teams. On the other side, it's like coaching optional. Let's just get big time athletes in here, all flash, and try to out, you know, out athlete them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before I get talking about Iowa again. Maryland is a much improved team by and large. Me, Jeffrey the Greek, I have been saying this for two weeks now. I'll say it for three weeks. I have been largely wrong with the Maryland Terrapins. This is the the offense is much what I expected, um, but they're even having success running the ball, not turning the ball over. They're taking care of the ball. Uh, the defense, their three four defense, is is flying around and getting to the ball. To the ball, they overall look. Really good. And they probably have the best quarterback in the conference right now. He is in the team picture. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say he's definitely number one, well, but he's, he's been... got to be in. If you do a top four quarterbacks to vote on, he's definitely one of those four. But I think, you know, performance-wise, what he's put on film so far, I think he's the best right now. Yes. Like, if I had to choose one, would I choose him? I'm not sure I'm there okay. yet. Yes. 100. Statistically speaking, 100% agree how this all plays out. Yes, that's where probably the debate's at. Um, my, my key to this game is not a deep cut again, uh, more of a shallow cut, but I, I think it's worth bringing up. It's the word rush. Okay. And it's going to come into play in, in two different things. Uh, pass rush. I believe from the games that I've watched Kent state, I definitely with Illinois, uh, Illinois is not a defense that I would say is, is exceptional at getting to the quarterback, but they did a pretty good job of getting to Tolia Tungaviola in mm-hmm. the Illinois Maryland game. Would you would you agree? Yeah, they did okay. Even if the sacks didn't get home, the pressures alone were enough to knock uh Tulia off of his point. And I feel like that's a big reason why Illinois not only was in that game, they really should have won the game at the end. Uh the other side of rush, the word rush is 
Iowa rushing the ball. Um, they they did a pretty good job doing it the third week of the year, but the first and second week of the year versus Indiana it was okay. Iowa State really bad last week versus Colorado State. It was awful. Um, I can guarantee you by the tenor of the articles that I'm reading that getting the rushing attack going for the Iowa Hawkeyes is at their utmost uh, top of importance, which is what pretty much generates good offenses. Those are going to be the two things that I'm going to look at the most in this game. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stick on the rushing theme because I think they're going to have a tough time rushing against the Terrapins. And I think the Terrapins are not going to be able to run against the Hawkeyes. Yeah. So uh, to me, both teams are going to get forced into throwing the ball. So who do we trust more here? Do we trust Petrus against you know, pretty, at least pretty talented defensive backs, or do we trust Tualia against great defensive backs? Both of those again, are good matchups. Again, and that's what's crazy about this is two programs with a completely different philosophy, but when you put them up against each other, both offenses and defenses are kind of running into the same. I know. It's, it, I mean, this is this was debatable, I think. We could have made this the Big Ten game of the week. Um, it's very interesting to me that it's going to be a Friday night game that everybody's going to be watching. As of right now, Wednesday evening, I'm just more excited to watch the game than I am nervous. We'll see, we'll see about right before it gets kicked off. A um, couple other things here is uh, the Iowa defense is kind of now – seen it all with quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, a quarterback that that gets out of the pocket to throw, a quarterback that gets out of the pocket to run. They've kind of seen it all. Uh, the 3-4 defense that Maryland runs is not exactly like what Maryland does, but you got an odd man front to me, and I'm kind of starting to show my cards here. I feel like maybe with the competition that Iowa's been up against with Maryland, I think maybe, to use our overused term, the iron sharpens iron. It's our favorite there's, term. There's been, a better, there's been a better chance for the Iowa Hawkeyes to do that up to this point than maybe Maryland has. Speaking of iron sharpening iron, I just love that this is a Big Ten game on Friday night. Yeah? Yeah, don't you? To, now, I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. Is that Are we throwing shade well, at do. Dustin right now? Yes, of okay. course we are. Um I, as of right now, and I've deep thought about this because I've heard a lot of Iowa fans say they hate it. Again, shout out to people that have got, you know, friends, relatives, sons, whatever, that are playing a Friday night football game that are diehard Hawkeye fans. That sucks. You're in a conundrum. You got to go watch your kid play. I will not be able to go watch my nephew play, which I would do if I lived a little bit closer. With that being said, just looking at this on its own. I think I love Friday night games once a year, right? Maybe twice for Iowa because they play Black Friday. It just feels different. But um, the thing is, though, is if Iowa loses this game, I'm going to go to bed angry and probably a little not exactly sober. But then I wake up the next day. You always feel better the next day after a loss. Yeah. That's just... And then there's no pressure the whole day. And then if you win, you wake up with the biggest smile on your face and you get a stress-free day of watching college football. Yeah. I think I am officially on team. I support Friday night football. Yeah, but I'm with you like one once a year for a team, right. not more than once. Right. So for me, this comes down to, it's a kind of a tough draw for Iowa. The Friday night traveling out to the East Coast. I was hoping that Iowa fans wouldn't look, you know, they wouldn't see that and be too spooked by it. It seems like they are spooked by it. But here's the thing. With, with Mar Maryland locks, this isn't a season. This is a quest. It's a quest for wins. It's a quest for 10 wins specifically. And I think they're going to get win number five this week. I'm going Maryland 27, Iowa 24 for an easy Maryland cover and an over. 
FYI, that 27 points would be the first time a team has scored more than 24 points on the Iowa Hawkeyes in 26 games. Book it. Book it? Okay. We're not exactly seeing the same game. Um, I can assure you that most Iowa fans are are butt-clenchy for this game. Friday night, traveling out to the East Coast, short week, all of that stuff plays. I just think the coach that resides in Iowa City is very good at getting his team prepared for this. I believe the offensive line play for Maryland is going to get a bit of a rude awakening from the Iowa front seven. The secondary is going to show up and make Tulia uncomfortable. Maryland will hit big plays, but in the end, the Iowa rushing attack will click. This Ooh, will be the first time. Now, okay. I'm not saying 225 yards rushing or anything like that, but enough to keep the defense off balance. The passing game will be efficient and get there. I've got Iowa 26 Maryland 21, so at 47 points, that is just barely the 47 and a half over under. I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> All right. I got confidence in your locks. Okay. Here we go. Saturday, October 2nd. We got seven games to do. First game up, the 2-2 two and two Minnesota Golden Gophers traveling into West Lafayette to take on the 3-1 and one Purdue Boilermakers 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network, line boilers by two and a half, over under 47.5, possibly rain, but it's going to be pretty warm. Vegas, again, if you look up the lines and the spread, almost exactly like the game we just did, Vegas is saying something along the lines of 24 to 21 boilers. We have got the bad call revenge game that we got coming it, up here. Whoa, oh, a bad call was mm-hmm. it? Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. Well, we got a little DM this week from our friend Boatwagon. And I had spoken to him. He he visited the Amador tailgate before the Minnesota Ohio State game and and he pointed out to me, you know, if you remember, they showed one time in that broadcast, they showed what actually happened after after the pass was released, and they didn't show it again. And it took me, so he sent that video to us, and I watched it. And it took me watching that. Now, granted, we were both in a state that evening, right? Yep. I was actually here yep, at the Upstairs Athletic Club. I remember. So we were both a little tipsy. But I, it kind of flashed back. I'm like, I do remember seeing that once, and they didn't show, show it, it again. again. Yeah. And so it, I will say it was very clearly a push-off by Payne Durham. Wow. So you're, you you're, didn't you're think mega. it was clear. Here's what here is my take on it. When I say bad call, I should have I should have just now said quote unquote bad call. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would like to state is that it wasn't as clearly a bad call as what it seems to be made out to be. And I think it was very much more of a jump ball of being a bad call. Mm, I, I mean, I felt it was a clear push off, but the ref also he threw the flag essentially immediately when that happened. It's not like he waited. And they discussed it. No, he knew what he saw immediately and threw a flag. Okay. Now, you want to know the funny thing about all this? All this revenge stuff, it's out the door by about the second series. I mean, I just don't believe any of that stuff really plays into how this game Yeah, you're probably right about that. (laughs) All right. So first up, um, Minnesota, as we stated on the podcast before, um, we believe that they would be a more defensive-minded team, even compared to their offense. But I don't think we had this in mind. Uh, Mike Sanford Jr., I think maybe feeling the heat a little bit this week, came out and and spoke this week to the media, probably to explain his life away, maybe to try to explain his way (laughs) into keeping his job right now. Um, 
And I kind of want to give a little bit of a apology. I don't know what the right word is to, to Tanner Morgan and to the Tanner Morgan family. Um, we, we talked openly about how Zach Anikstead coming in and I'm not completely pulling back from this. I'm still curious to see what a Zach Anikstead led Minnesota offense, how different it would look. Okay. But when I rewatched that game, there's two things that popped out that I want to make sure I say number one, the effort of Tanner Morgan in that game Nobody's trying harder. I'm not. No, no. That that guy is the ultimate competitor. Like there was a and and leader and leader and probably part of the reason why he's obviously still the starting quarterback. There was one time where he willed himself to get like seven yards running the ball. Like he threw himself in there. So I I just want to say that guy is competing as hard as can be. The other side of this, and this is not going to change or it wouldn't have changed last week. The pass pro by the Minnesota offensive line was not just bad, it was borderline atrocious. Almost nobody could have gotten anything accomplished last week. I just week. don't understand how it's gotten so bad so fast on that offensive line. I can't figure it out. I mean, it was never like their specialty pass pro cuz I feel like they're they're all a little slow getting, you know, getting out of their stance, but they made it work in the past and something has changed. They they are not making it work right now. Did you know? They're 14th in the league in pass yards per game. That is baffling to me. We we thought this would be easily one of the top three passing teams in the Big Ten. It looked like one of the pa- top passing teams in the Big Ten versus Ohio State. Now, insert Ohio State defense joke here. But still, going against Ohio State's defense, and then at some point going against, was it Miami of Ohio, I think? Uh, yep, Miami of huh? And then obviously Bowling Green. I'm not saying you have to throw for 400 yards, 300 yards every week, but 57 or 47 or whatever it was last week, it's it's and it's shocking. Part of that, though, they're leaning on the run more than we probably expected them to. They're just not throwing a lot of passes, but I think it also is because they're not having success when they throw those passes. Correct. So one way to to uh, that a, uh, um, a Minnesota defense that we talked about before, very good against the rush, so might as well go against – Purdue offense that are they even going to try to run the ball? No, this, I think, like I'm, I'm and I, I don't think that was a facetious question. I'm very curious on how many attempts they'll actually have. And they're dead last in running the ball again in the conference. So the way I would play it, if I'm Minnesota's defense is play the pass and just don't even, I mean, you know, don't stack the box at all. Right. Just expect pass play, play nickel the whole time. And then the other side of it is, you know, for Purdue, um, They've, but they've got a. I mean, they still have a pretty good pass rush, or, or their pass rush has developed more than I thought they would. We we know George George Kalaftis. I mean, he's been there. It seems like forever now. But they've got more guys now that can kind of get pressure on the quarterback. To me, like this this feels very under to me, and it's going to be reflected on that. The only thing that makes me nervous about that is. With Purdue essentially maybe trying to run the ball 22 times, 25, that's going to extend the life of the game, which can then tend to lead to pick sixes, sloppy play, points on the board. But on both sides of the ball, we have got a struggling offense for both teams. We're still not sure about David Bell. I guess I'm just not sure where the points are going to come from in general in this game. Yeah, I don't expect David Bell to play still. I don't think so. Yeah, so Purdue, their defense, I just, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, we're deep enough this season. I'm going to start looking at some stats. I think they actually start meaning something. They're fifth in total defense in the Big Ten. They're third against the pass. They're eighth against the rush. They're 
you know, that's that's not bad. Nope. And then, so for me, if I'm Purdue, what I do, I do the opposite. I load the box and just force them to throw, throw there's, the ball. There's no choice right now. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Absolutely. At least make the Minnesota rushing attack work for it. I pretty much think that's what they're going to do. They're, the one thought process I had with this is the only thing out of these units that is working really well is the Minnesota rushing attack. Is that yeah. enough to lift Minnesota yeah. to a win? It definitely could be. Sometimes you get down to guts. This feels like a Jeff Brom guts game to me. Okay, I've got Purdue 20, mm. Minnesota 13. So that's a cover for Purdue. And at 33, it's quite a bit under the 47 and a half points. I thought hard about making okay. this my double barrel lock of the week. I'm a little bit on the other side. Okay. I, I I have faith in PG. I don't. I just don't think I can. I can't really envision one of his teams this deep into his tenure playing that badly for a second week in a row. I, I feel like he writes the ship at least. At, look at that. Writes the ship. Look, there you go. Uh, didn't didn't even, even mean to do yeah. that. But I think he writes the ship here. So I'm going Minnesota with the minor ups. At Minnesota 24, Purdue 21, also an under. Interesting. That thought process was the thought process I had at one point this week. Okay. I probably, if, I, if we would have recorded on Monday night, I would have sounded very much like you. All right, next game up, the 3-1 Charlotte 49ers coming in to Champagne to take on the 1-4 Illinois Fighting Illini. 11 o'clock a.m. game. This is on BTN Plus in these parts. Line Illini by 11 over under 55. Warm day, maybe rain, but I think we're going to be okay. Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 34-23, 34-21 type of game. Money? Split right down the middle. Kurt, can wow. the can the 49ers find gold in champagne? <laughs> well, rain would be that's pretty good. Rain would be appropriate here. I can't believe this line actually went up. When I saw it come out at 10, 10 and a half, now I couldn't believe it kept creeping up. That seemed like a huge line to me. Charlotte's not that bad. They beat Duke. I know Duke's not great, but Duke beat a Big Ten team. And it's a power five team. I mean, I know right. it's not people maybe wouldn't consider, but dude, this th- this is a actually pretty uh, impressive schedule that the 49ers have put yeah, together. Yeah, not bad. They're, so they're three and one in that schedule, and they they can get it done offensively. I think they're scoring thirty points a game. Yeah, and their I, loss to Georgia State. I know that's right. Yes, they lost to Georgia State. That's their only loss. Right, and it was a. They battled Georgia State. This is a scary 49ers team coming Absolutely. In. And I, to be honest, preseason, I'm like, well, at least we'll beat Charlotte. We know that. I don't know that anymore. Did Vegas not? They <clears throat> knew that they didn't know that. And that's why they set the freaking over-under at, was it two and a half or three and a half? A three and a half. The over-win total for Illinois. Yeah, but then why are they setting this line at a line at by 11? It doesn't make any sense. No, it's, it's I mean, the Illini are completely lost offensively, though they did find something in the last couple of weeks with Josh McCray. Dude, I got notes right here. The whole world needs to wake up. And, uh, dude, Josh McCray is a playmaker, man. <laughs> yes. Did you see? I'm pretty sure I DM'd this to you, that I can't. he had 156 yards, I think. Either 154 or 156. 150 of those were after contact. That's insane. I've never heard of anything that crazy. The offensive line should be embarrassed by that stat. The offensive line has been embarrassed every week of this season, except for maybe a little bit in week one. The good news is 
what I believe could help be the elixir to a struggling offensive line is this 49ers defense as good as they've been across the board. They are giving up Russian yards in in bunches. The other thing that I'd like yeah. to point out that's a good that's a good matchup for Illinois. It very much is, yeah. and I think right now with the passing game, let's just say it's challenged a little bit for Illinois. When you don't have a quarterback, it tends to get challenging. Uh, a not so healthy forward uh, passing quarterback, along with wide receivers that are still trying to figure out their position, typically leads to to battles. The other thing too that that I think plays into this, Beetle. He wants to win this game. There is going to be no shortage of of want to, and that's a that's a phrase that Beetle knows because it's from Coach Fry. They want to win this game. Yeah, and so the other thing is there's a lot of heat on the offensive coordinator Tony Peterson right now. I don't think that's fair. You don't think that's fair? No, it's too early. Too many pieces they're trying to get. the 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 offensive line, the guard play. That's bad. Happened. It's bad. It, it, and again, I've, I've got experience from this. You 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 lose a guard or two, the whole offense stalls. But I will say Julian Pearl has come in and played serviceably so far at the guard position, so maybe that keeps improving. Um, but there's just no imagination on this offense. And I was watching with a mutual buddy of ours, and even he was, he was like bitching about the play calling. And then we're like, how about, you know, maybe maybe like some, maybe a play action. And then, so he's there. There was one series where it seemed like that he started doing a little more of that, but not just that. All kinds of things, motion, um, you know, handing off Jeff Sweet, and they they were moving the ball, and then they just went back away from it. Yeah, I don't it's get perplexing it. sometimes. Yeah, with that. and uh, now Brandon Peters has been quote unquote named the starter. We don't know anything until we actually get to the game. Beetle holds that kind of stuff close to the vest. So now Illini Nation's up in arms because they just want the next quarterback in line. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback. We don't have one. And they're, no matter who's rolling out there for quarterback, it's behind that old line. It's behind that old line. That's part of it. The wide receivers can't get any separation. Can we go from like six inches of separation to a foot? Helps. Maybe. So that that it's not all the quarterback's fault. But I was really excited to see Peters in this offense. I thought maybe that we would kind of he would take a step up, but that certainly has not happened. He has not looked good. But let's talk about the Charlotte 49ers a little bit out of Conference USA East. They do Another a running Cusa team. Yep, they do a running back by committee. They got three guys that can tote the rock pretty well. Quarterback Chris Reynolds has a nine to two ratio, and he can move the ball with his legs too. He's only been sacked three times on the season so far. Yeah. A wide receiver, Grant Dubose, look for that guy. He's got 20 catches on the season, 332 yards, and four touchdowns. And then Victor Tucker had a huge first game. He's got 285 yards receiving on the season. So spicy offense here. I was perplexed by this line. I I not I wasn't saying that I thought the Niners were going to be favored. But with all the things going on in Illini land, I really just like Charlotte to win this outright. I like him on the money line. I'm going Charlotte 27, Illinois 24. So that's a Charlotte cover. And that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. And that's an under, my friends. Wow. This is my shocked face. I I figured you would take Charlotte to cover, but the outright win. Wow. Money line, baby. I th- and I thought maybe you were leaning into that 11 point line after you had... I had one time thought about leaning into that 11-point line because it didn't make a lot of sense to me once I saw. Uh, but to me, I just go back to the same stuff. Like 11 o'clock a.m. game from a team in the East Coast, this is going to be an, an, an somewhat 
early flight out, you know, long flight, 11 o'clock a.m., a little bit off a little bit. Beetle wants to win this game. I believe very much in Josh McCray. Not enough to get a cover, but I've got Illinois winning the game 28-20, to 20, sweaty, uh, and, and at 48 points, that's an under. All right, last 11 o'clock ga- uh, a.m. game. At one point, this was probably a lock to be the Big Ten game of the week. Now it is just a very good Big Ten game. The 4-0, number 14-ranked Michigan Wolverines traveling into Cheeseland to take on the 1-2 Wisconsin Badgers, 11 o'clock a.m. game. This is on Fox. This is Fox's game. Uh, Badgers by two. That line has danced all around this week. Over under a very low, 43 Looking to be a perfect fall Saturday in Madtown. Vegas is saying something along the lines of Badgers 23-20. to 65% of the money, though, is on the Wolverines. Yeah, these are two teams that are kind of hard to figure out right now. You know, Michigan was looking great, but then last week looked really human for three quarters. And I'm talking about mostly their rushing offense. You know, it was leading the country 300-plus yards a game. Then they kind of got stymied by that pretty spicy Rutgers defense for quarters two through four. I think this would have been a much more exciting game before last week. Yeah, if if Notre, or if or uh, uh, Wisconsin would have pulled it out versus Notre Dame, even winning, you but, know. But, but, but even, even with, with them losing, they still are just dominant defensively on the ground. Yes. So it would have been that dominant rush game versus the dominant defensive r- but rush. But don't we still have that? We still have that. Do we? After yes. Michigan I mean, got I, held to... You, as, as, as I hope you know, and I hope all our listeners know, I very much respect and, and look forward to your opinions on Big Ten football, but I disagree with one thing you just said right now. Uh, when you alluded to that you don't know who these teams are, we know exactly who these teams well, are okay, in my uh, mind. All right, that, that may be fair. I guess maybe I was... Wisconsin has a insane defense that right. I still think is not getting the respect. It re- They're the only reason they were in that game versus Notre Dame last week with a struggling offense. Michigan is a run first offense that really hasn't stretched the field too much in the passing game. And their defense is good, but not great. I feel like that's kind of been who these teams have been all year. So here's the deal. Michigan is the four and ranked team. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin has only won one game of the three they've played, yet Wisconsin is favored. That is weird. So you have to look at, like, what what is that? Right now, everything, all the points that get generated for the Wolverines are through the rushing attack, right? Yeah. Now you are, you're, you're running up against what could be. It's either Georgia or Wisconsin, in my mind, and I know I'm an Iowa fan, Georgia or Wisconsin are the two teams that are the best at specifically stopping the run. That, to me, is why we see the line that we see. Okay, so let's set an over-under for Michigan rush yards oh, in the game. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I mean... But I, I would have felt a lot different before last week, I guess, is what I'm kind of coming back to. So what to. you're saying is the number you're going to set here is probably going to be lower than yeah. it would have been before. Like You said it. You're better at this than me. I've got a number in my head. Okay, I'm going to set it at... I'm going to set it at 154.5. Wow. Okay, I'm going to take the under. Okay. I, I had 128 in my head. Okay. But that... I mean, so they... But this is, that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. So they're going right. to run the ball 40, 
to 50 times. They might have a 2.2 yard average to get there, <laughs> right. but they could go over. Dude, so that's what gets me to the Michigan side of the offense. Uh, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Henning, Sainstrel, they have got wide receivers on the outside that have speed They're and, and, and make yeah. it play. I mean, Roman Wilson's got freaking track speed, man. Well, that so guy, does Henning. So does Henning. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not so sure if Cornelius Johnson isn't the best big play down the field receiver. But can that's you- where, and, and we've talked, I, I mean, I feel like I've said it 25 times on this podcast. If you are going to touch up the Wisconsin defense, it's got to be on the outside. Yeah, Michigan they, has got to do it. I, can they do that? I don't know. I don't. That I don't question. have confidence in it. That is the question. But of this you game. know what else I don't have confidence in? Go to the other side. The, the, Wisconsin's off, especially Graham Mertz. I have no confidence in him. I don't think he has confidence in himself. Oh man, I saw the interview he did this week talking about how he's never lost confidence in himself. I just didn't buy it. I saw it. There I saw. You go. I saw the interview. I, I didn't, didn't buy it, it, but I didn't need to see it. Like here's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it just like I have it in my sheet when it comes to Wisconsin offense. Can the O start to run the ball. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they have to run the ball. They have to run the ball. Yes. And and I don't think, I think Michigan's defense is pretty good. I don't think it's a type of defense that is that is impossible to run against. No, I think Che Louis will get his yards. Okay. Because like, if you kind of go but back. But will he break 100? No, I don't think so. I think he's going to be right at it. You think so? Okay. The other Here's another thing though, and this plays into the fact that they haven't been able to run the ball. Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Badgers of third and two every single time lore, right? They're yep. 125th in the country in third down conversions. I know. It's just... That is so, that is unheard of. I like to go with, what have I seen out of this team over the last five years, 10 years? That his, History plays big into this stuff for me. I'm starting to lose confidence in that Badgers history right now. I am too. I would say last week was the first, I mean, a little bit with Penn State and and ECU, but last week was really the time where I'm like, is this just a a mediocre Wisconsin team? That's what I see. Okay. With that being said, they're favored for a reason. I have Mm -hmm. ultimately more confidence of anything that's on the, the field is that Wisconsin defense versus the rush. That is what I have the most confidence with. The other side of it is I can't help but get past the fact that I saw Wisconsin have some marginal success success rushing the ball versus a pretty damn good Penn State yeah. defense. So I've got Wisconsin 20, Michigan State 16 mm. and 36 total points. It's another <laughs> under, yeah. but it's what I see. I don't know how else to say it. Okay. I'm, so I'm I'm a little bit different than you. I just, for some reason, I feel like I've got this, this confidence in the Wolverines and khaki pants this year that I'm that I've suddenly lost in the Badgers. And so I'm going with Michigan to win the game outright. Michigan 17, Wisconsin 13, but I love that under. Okay. That's an it, under. Did it did it have an Amador twist to it at one point? Well, or? I already got my Amador twist. No, I'm just saying, did you did you Oh did sure? You, yeah, it's one that I considered. It. I did too. I thought really hard, but my gosh, 43 and a half. Points. I know. Under, under. How are those two teams <laughs> oh gonna gosh. do that? I don't know. It would take a No, what I'm saying is it's such a low over under. It's you're but you're, but there's but know. still how are they gonna I don't that know. That would take at least a special teams you, touchdown. Which could happen, which, which obviously yeah. put it over last week. The 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 other thing that I think I was gonna say, I'm not sure if I said it or not, but like we talked. We talked about how Michigan wins this games and get and gets points on the board is simply throwing the ball down the field. There's this 
this this voice inside my head that just is saying they're not going to do it, <laughs> and I don't know why they're not. I just don't think they will try to to throw the ball down the field. I can't no. I can't explain it. Not not zero attempts. Not but just not a not a good enough effort. That's the best way I can explain. Yeah. It. Okay. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game, game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving into the afternoon, this is my one gripe. One afternoon game. One. Yeah, we that's couldn't have BS. moved one 11 o'clock game into the 2.30. Why would they do that to us? Is I don't it, have a toggle. Doesn't everybody want the 2.30 slot ideally? Wouldn't they get more eyeballs on any one of these games that are at 11 o'clock by simply moving it into the afternoon? It, it makes zero sense It doesn't make sense. I understand TVs and contracts and stuff, but, but when you're the Big Ten Network, you, you can just do what you want. If you've got a, an afternoon game sure. and a morning game, then just switch one to the afternoon. Makes no doesn't sense. Doesn't make any sense to me. All right, 2.30 p.m. game. The number 11, 3-1 ranked Ohio State Buckeyes going on the road to Piscataway to take on the 3-1 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. As we discussed pretty deep, it's a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Buckeyes by 15, over-under 58. Going to be a perfect Saturday in New Jersey. Vegas is saying something along the lines of 37-21 to 21 Buckeyes. 67% of the money is on Rutgers. And you know it's a crazy year when you are looking at Ohio State Rutgers and you're pretty intrigued by this football yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, the thing that would make it more intriguing, if, if Rutgers was just a little better offensively, this would be a matchup that I would just be so geeked up for. And they are improving offensively. Noah Vedral is kind of settling down. He's Frankly, he's kind of proven me wrong. I, I think the last few weeks I can say that I think he's a serviceable Big Ten quarterback at this point. I Preseason, I said... I don't know. I just don't think this is a Big Ten guy right here. But he's been playing pretty well. Also, Isaiah Pacheco. They finally got that guy going. We've been asking for that. So maybe they're moving toward in that direction where they are going to make this a little better game than at least Vegas thinks. Um, and I feel like maybe uh, maybe I'm reading into this too deep, but it kind of felt like you're you're trying to maybe talk yourself into that yeah, a little bit. I am. I'm always trying to talk myself into Rutgers. Being you are. Good. You are. You're very, you're a Rutgers stan. I think maybe. I, well, I've never wavered. No, I always really defended haven't. them. That's true. You deserve a lot of credit for that. So yeah, I mean, a lot of what you said, I can kind of see. Pacheco did jump off the screen to me. He, he's he's a good running back when he gets the chance to showcase. Um, and then speaking of, they're going against the Ohio State defense that is is been yeah. you know it's been hit a lot. What's so, the numbers? Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, defensively overall in the conference thirteenth, against the pass overall in the conference twelfth, against the rush overall in the conference thirteenth. Those are ridiculous. Now you got to take competition into it a little yeah, bit. Oregon sure. touched them up big time. And then they went against what I still think is a very salty rushing attack with Minnesota. Yeah, okay, fair. I mean, I'm just saying those are two really good rushing offenses to go against. So I think that kind of skews the numbers there. Here's the deal, though. I think we, I think maybe a, a lot of what I'm going to say here is going to eschew the stats, okay? And at some point, you have to take a step back, okay? And you just look at the two teams on the paper, okay? 
This is Ohio State, and this is Rutgers. Ohio State, and this is not so good for Rutgers, they're going to take this game very seriously. In the past, yeah. there could be a sneaky cover by Rutgers because they sure. wouldn't. You're not going to get that Ohio State team. I think this is an Ohio State team that is a little pissed off. I think it's an Ohio State team that maybe defensively wants to prove themselves. If that is the case, going against a Rutgers offense that I just don't feel a lot of confidence in, and then on top of that, whether the quarterback has been this guy or that guy, maybe it'll be this guy that that week, whatever, they have put points on the board, and yeah. Travion Henderson is somehow secretly being the running back of Ohio State, putting together one of the most insane statistical years that a true freshman has ever had. Which is weird because they barely used him on the ground in that first game that we went to against. Just Minnesota. maybe wasn't ready, but boy, has he been ready the last couple of weeks here. So, all right, what are we what are we thinking of quarterback here? C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, I'm Jack got, Miller. Who knows? I think it's, I think it's going to be Stroud. I know you think it'll go back to Stroud? I think so. Okay, I I. Tend to think it'll be Kyle McCord. I also tend I've to heard think, some chatter yeah. though, about about CJ Stroud. Okay, I also I think tend it, to think it doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah, that's probably true. So talking about stats, first in total offense in the Big Ten, second in rush offense, second in pass offense against a spicy Rutgers defense. Well, I tell but you what, boy, if you could mash up Ohio State and Wisconsin, oh my you would goodness. make one of the greatest college football teams ever and one of maybe the worst ever. But anyways. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you can Best only get two outcomes worst. there. I almost made this the Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week. I really hope hmm. I don't regret it. But I, at some point, gut feel matters. This, to me, is a Jersey game. No offense, Rutgers, but I think Ohio State is out to prove a point. I've got Ohio State 40, Rutgers 17. That's a pretty easy Ohio State cover. But at 57 points, that is under by one point. Wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot ball. Okay. Going a little different than you. You don't you don't like my Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I do. I'm, I'm still picking Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. But I think it's a little closer than Vegas thinks. A lot closer than you think. I'm going Ohio State 34. I think Rutgers hangs in there. And scores 27 for an easy Rutgers cover, and I'm going with the over. Wow. going to be interesting to see how me and you come out this week. All right. Next game up, we are into the evening here. The 1-2 and two Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. The Hilltoppers taking on another Big Ten team. Traveling into East Lansing to take on the 4-0 number 7th ranked Michigan State Spartans. 6.30 p.m. game on FS1. Line Sparty by 10 and a hook. Over-under, 61.5. Going to be warm. Could be rainy. Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 35-24 to 24 Spartan win. 80% of the money is on the Spartans. Wow, interesting. So there, I think we can probably call the Hilltoppers like a de facto Big Ten team for the season anyway, right? Yeah, but they're kind of built like a more de facto early 2010 Big 12 team. They're built like a Big 12 team. So I was just going to say... Great passing offense. I mean, they they pitched it all over the field against IU and those great cornerbacks. And Michigan State gives up a ton of pass yards. This one's going to be fun, man. Dude, cannot wait to watch (laughs) this game. I think it's like, and I know I'm kind of talking out two sides of my mouth because I complain about how defensive-minded games get poo-pooed on. But 
a lot of the games that we are just talking about here, let's be honest, they're, they're, we predict they will be offensively challenged. It's going to be quite the contrast of what I think this game's going to be on Saturday night between the Hilltoppers and the Spartans. Yeah, and we saw the, the Spartans kind of drop off offensively against Nebraska Cornhuskers. I think the fireworks are turned because Western Kentucky's not very good on the defensive side. Of the no, and I, I don't think it's something that they... They have a lot of pride in, yeah, on the defensive side. Yeah, of the I'm not ball sure right they're now. too concerned about it. To I, be honest, I with think you. they're mostly concerned about scoring more than the other team. Defense optional, and and but offensively, Bailey Zappi, thirteen to two ratio from this guy, and then yards is even more impressive. Uh, Twelve twenty four yards so far. This, do you know, he's a transfer. Yeah. from Houston Baptist. So my coworker Jeremy, as we've discussed before. So it wasn't just the head coach. It was coach, offensive coordinator, line coach, wide receiver, quarterback, and a couple wide receivers. That's who they took over from Baptist to go to the Hilltoppers to play football. Wow. It was like a it was like a big exodus. No kidding. Yeah. Good good on you, Western Kentucky. They did it. It's been working. On the Michigan State side of the ball. Um, I haven't forgot about that guy, Kenneth Walker. Uh, I haven't forgot about that offensive line doing work. The receivers still look good to me. If I was a Michigan State uh, offensive skill player, I, I, I would be so excited to play this game on Friday night. I think they're going to put up astronomical numbers. Like, to, to it, what would be fun for, I was thinking about this, what would be fun for a Michigan State fan? Okay, so Dougie or anybody at Standing Room Spartans, throw this out there. Just go put on the film from like a D'Antonio circa 2017 yeah. type of offense. Watch that maybe Friday night earlier in the day on yeah. Saturday and then contrast it against what you're going to see on the TV. It, you know, it, that it would be pretty hilarious. You know what that would do is it would it would boost the general misery index way up. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think? You would think and then bring it back down. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. Okay. I want to point out one thing. There's a Big Ten football-specific podcast I listened to that really dissed Jaden Reed last week. Did you, did you catch – you know which one Thank I'm talking you. about? Yeah. It's two dudes. They're mostly old dorks that yeah. don't know what they're – Douchey. A little douchey. little douchey. One's yeah. douchey. One's kind of a grump. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. probably more yeah. appropriate. Um, we're sorry to Jaden Reed. He should have been the weekly Eisman – how should we do this? Can we retroactively go back and change it? We, we have control. We can do that. I think we we're have, in charge. We have creative control, right? I, I'm going to run it up the pole to management. See what I, they I say. think we can get it done. Jane, Jane Reed, Reed, last week's week four. Eisman. Eisman winner. He, I mean, because our own mantra is to pick players that have big games in big or uh, big moments in big yeah. games. <laughs> he hit that through. Not only because the thing I forgot about, he had the touchdown catch. Too. You did. Right. Okay. So back to this week. He ain't going to be the only one, I think, with a touchdown catch no. this week. I think him and some of his buddies are going to have a, a lot. So no. you go ahead. You go okay. ahead. Okay. Well, me another the thing first. I just want to point out first is the Michigan defensive line played great last week. I think that they're going to get to Bailey Zappi. I think they're going to slow that pass rush down a little bit. Okay. That's very close. Why you go? So, you go first. Then I'll go first. Yeah. I think they're going to slow that pa- that passing game down, but I think they'll still score. I'm going Michigan State. 38, Western Kentucky, 31 Okay, for Western Kentucky cover, and that's an over. All right. Um, here's what I got. I have got Michigan State. Okay, and before I say that, let me reset it. I'm okay. with you. 
I, I do think there will be times where the Michigan State front mm-hmm. seven gets behind the line of scrimmage. That'll be mostly what gets the Hilltopper offense off. I think they'll force a turnover. I think the turnover will be a big part of the game. But other than that, we are going to see yardage up and down the field. I've got Michigan State 44, Woo! Western Kentucky 34. So that's just a <laughs> half point cover for Western Kentucky. I don't like that at, at all. But at 78 points total, that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. It's right. time to have some fun. I, I kind of, I was debating on a couple different ones and I'm like, it's time to have a little fun this week. Let's take it over with all these unders that are on the board. But I wish I could have that on my big screen, you know, yeah. obviously it won't be on my big screen because it's not the big 10 game of the week, but I kind of want it to be. You can control what you want it to be. I guess I could. But yeah, how about one of these 630 games flex down to 230? That would be even better now that I think about it. Absolutely. Ugh. All right. Next game up, the 2-2 two and two NU Northwestern Wildcats. They have the title for at least about, what, 72 more hours here. Traveling into Memorial Stadium, Memorial Stadium to take on the 2-3 and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Huskers by 11 and a half over under 51.5 warm, but chance of rain. We will see Vegas is saying something along the lines of 31 to 20 Huskers. 61% of the money is on the Huskers. This is the first night game in Memorial stadium since 2019. We got the battle of the NUs. It is. It's the battle of the NUs. 51.5, huh? 51.5. Yeah. Okay. By the way, don't just, before we just move on, the winner of this for the Eyes on Big Pod gets to use the, Correct. the NU moniker. 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 Yeah. Okay. So I guess maybe, well, so Northwestern's NU right now. Nebraska's NEB, NEB right now. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if Nebraska were to win, Northwestern becomes NW. NW, which they, which they hate. They hate. Yeah. Too, too damn bad. And by the way, every time we tweet something about that both nebraska fans and northwestern fans come at us with data to prove that they are the true nu i just want to from the bottom of my heart i just want to say i don't read them all i don't read any of them and you know what <laughs> i really don't care we we determine who's nu not you no no we don't the the players and the coaches determine well, okay it. touche yeah okay all right anyways what do we got okay well so nebraska we know is good defensively but did you know that if you look statistically they're average to above in the Big Ten. Yep. But then part of that is because they played Oklahoma and they played an additional Big Ten game, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure how fair that is. But Northwestern defensively? Hmm. What is I, So basically what I wanted to point out is one one of these teams we know, right? Nebraska. Their defense is good. Yep. Their offense moves the ball. Doesn't score, Doesn't though. score points. Their special teams are dog shit. Their, their special teams, and I'm going to give try to give Tom Fernelli a, a, a shout-out for this. Love this, me some Tommy. Tom does a great job. He did a deep dive on, and, and I, I I will not be able to articulate it perfectly, but it's a, essentially special teams mm. efficiency. Nebraska is not only the worst special teams unit in the country, it's double than the team next to them for how bad it is. It's, no, it wasn't double, was it? As far it, it was like expected points off of yeah or something I, d- I like had never that. seen I know I know what tweets you're talking about yeah. and it was a bottom ten basically and the tenth like worst so you know not the worst Nebraska was the worst the tenth worst special teams had like a score of fourteen the second worst had a score and this is just off the top of my head of like twenty eight but Nebraska was like thirty eight 
Uh, the next spot down was 38, like 10 points worse. We've obviously uh, waxed poetic enough to uh, on this to say Nebraska's special teams have been abysmal. They have got to start looking better at some point. And I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to like dig into that and see where he we ca- he came up with that rating and learn a little bit about it for this. But the 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 moral of the story was Nebraska's bad and quite a bit worse than the next bad team. Then on the other side of the ball, Northwestern. I this is the most curious enigma wrapped in a riddle team. In, in the Big Ten right now? What, I, I, aren't they every year, though? But no, no, they're not. Usually it's they run the ball pretty well. They don't throw the yeah, ball that well, and they the, play good defense. Okay. I don't I don't know what they're doing well You're or, right. or bad okay. right now. Well, I can tell you what they're doing bad. Okay. Okay, defensively, they're ninth in points given up, but they're 11th in yards, total yards. Ninth in passers, 14th in rush yards given up. Let Northwestern me... Wildcats. But let me pause right now. We both have history. Do you still think it's a quote unquote bad defense? No, I mean I, I can't commit myself to you, the thought process that a Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern defense is quote unquote bad. But I mean they've got that's that's, that's ugly. Fourteenth against stats, the rush. The, the stats don't look good. They're in the same conference as Illinois. I don't know if you knew that. And Illinois is not dead last in rush defense. It's it's not a good look. Then offensively, I think they can run the ball. Right? I mean, Evan Hall has put up some pretty decent yards. Okay, offensively, they're 11th in the conference in points, 9th in total yards, 11th in pass yards, 4th in rush so yards. That's so the thing that's they do what well. they do well. There you go. But then the passing attack, it has looked good at, at times, times. At and times. And then it looks abysmal. But here's the other enigma wrapped up with them. Who's who's the quarterback? Yeah, we don't Marty know. did it once. Hujo did it once. And I, I tried asking Chappie. Nobody knows, man. Nobody knows. And and I sit there and I'm thinking, if Chappie doesn't know, probably nobody, <laughs> nobody knows. knows. So that means unless Scott Frost and his staff have a mole inside Evanston, they don't know. So is that the advantage that Fitzy's trying to get? I, I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Why is the quarterback play in the state of Illinois just so bad? <laughs> That's a good question. I, <laughs> I mean, do not know. Illinois, Northwestern. The Bears, I mean, I, I don't want to pile on poor Justin <laughs> Fields. He didn't have a chance last week. I but. forgot about the Bears, but no, that's a good point. Yeah. What is it? There's it's something insane. there. <laughs> there is something there. LOL, Land of Lincoln. Yeah. Um, man, if if you are gambling on this game, I, I love you. Tip of the hat, because you're a true gambler. <laughs> I have. I'm going to give a prediction, because that's what we do on this podcast. I ain't got no clue what's going to happen here. Would you be surprised to see... A seventeen to thirteen Nebraska win. No, not would at all. Would you be surprised to see a seventeen to thirteen Northwestern win? No. Would you be surprised to see a thirty-eight to fourteen Nebraska win? No. I mean, a little bit, but no, not terribly, not shocked. I would be surprised to see a thirty-eight to fourteen that Northwestern. Was, yes, that. Win. That's the me. only thing. So, like, almost anything could happen here, other than a Northwestern blowout. Which, not if you say it out loud, that's probably. I don't know. I here's what I, is it's the same questions every week. We'd very much expect uh, Nebraska to move the ball and have yeah. flashy plays. Can they just finally play a clean game? Because in my mind, if they play a clean game on top of who we think they are defensively and offensively, they'll blow Northwestern out. I agree, and you know we say that every week, and it usually doesn't come true. They're the ultimate. Yeah, you know, Scott Frost likes to say, say the same bad movie every week team, but isn't Northwestern usually the same good movie? Team, yeah, boring, good movie. But boring. Yeah. I mean, boring but good. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like the well, English Patient. 
Yeah, but was that good? I don't, I don't know. know. That was boring <laughs> good. But it's a good example. <laughs> There's a Seinfeld episode about that. <laughs> but but they're with. not that team this year. I don't know who they are. But no. I don't they don't seem to be, no. No. Okay, so I'm go gonna for go. It. I again I I'm with I'm, you. I, I don't wait. know what to I, think. Honestly, so I'm just gonna say Nebraska twenty seven, Northwestern thirteen. So that's <sighs> Nebraska cover and an under. Wow. Okay. I, honestly, this was the prediction I was most excited to see what you came up with, okay. mostly because I had no idea. I guess I'm not that far away. I've got Nebraska twenty three, Northwestern sixteen. That's a Northwestern cover, okay. and at thirty nine points, that's a lot under the fifty one point five. This is the other Amador double barrel yeah. lock of the week that I almost considered. Considered it as well. All right, that brings us to the last game, the Big Ten game of the week, the two and two Indiana Hoosiers coming into Happy Valley to take on the 4-0, number four ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. This is a 6.30 p.m. game. Kurt and I kind of kicked it around. We just figured, hey, let's go with the ABC game, right? It's the last well, one of the day. I, I mean, that's know. part of it. I think the part, the other part is it's the revenge for the Penix extension game. And, it, you know, it's it's at Penn State. You can't argue with that night game at Penn State. It's, it's There's weird. drama. There's yeah. a lot of good things, right? Yeah. To, and, to make it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, line Nittany Lions by... 12 and a half over under 53.5. Looks like it's going to be an absolutely gorgeous night in Happy Valley. Vegas is saying something along the lines of 33 to 20, something like that. 67% of the money is on the Nittany Lions. Hmm, interesting. So there's there's a little bit of kind of spider meme stuff, a little bit of it going on in this game. Penn State can't really run the ball very well. They're 11th in the conference running the ball. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Indiana can't run the ball. They're a little better than I expected at ninth in the conference. They both play good defense against the run, but neither of them play very good defense against the pass so far. Um, Offensively, though, Penn State is fourth in passing. Indiana's not as bad as I thought. They're seventh in passing. Took a big step up. Even with that horrible start. And what I got going through my head there is, okay, uh, Indiana played Iowa and Penn State played Wisconsin first week of the season. So that's kind of a wash on how it affects your offensive stats. After that, though, Penn State played a very good Auburn defense. And then I'll be honest with you, last week, that was a pretty decent defense they played, whereas on the other side... Uh, Indiana played in a pretty good, but a bit overrated Cincinnati defense, a Hilltopper defense, you know, that's pretty much abysmal. I guess I'm saying a little bit of, of statistical lying that's going on there. I, I think the rushing attack of these teams is very similar. And maybe because I'm just biased towards what I think is a good Penn State offensive line and, and running back room, yeah. I still think there's more explosion and potential out of the Penn State rushing attack. Yeah, I definitely have hope that we will see a lot more out of that Penn State rushing attack. A lot more hope than I have that we'll see something out of the Indiana rushing attack. Correct. There's just more there. But with the Penn State rushing attack kind of being, you know, slipping a gear here and there, one thing that's had pedal to the metal the entire time is the Penn State passing attack, or at least they had since the second week of the year. Sean Clifford is just bombing away. He, he's hitting guys in stride. The Penn State wide receivers that we've always thought were talented have been completely unlocked. Very excited to see how that matches up against, I still think, this is a pretty good Indiana defense and back seven. Well, yeah. I mean, very good defensive back still, especially on the outside. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. I mean, that's great talent on great talent. Great talent on great talent. I mean, now... 
the most talented guy on the field for the both teams, I still think is John Dotson. Okay, yes. so leaving Taiwan Mullen or anybody locked up on him one and one the entire night eventually is going to lead to a big game, big play, excuse me. But just overall, how much success is Sean Clifford going to have? This is something that if I was a Penn State fan, I'd be a little butt clenchy about. We have by and large missed out on the Sean Clifford interception bad play this whole year. Wait, did you just Please jinx him? don't let it happen this week. This is not the week for it to happen, Sean Clifford. I don't know why. I was working out this week. It popped into my head. I got to say it in the podcast. Hope it wasn't a jinx. It's just something I think to look for. Yeah, but like more Spider-Man, we know that Michael Penix is a good quarterback, and he was playing. It looked pretty rough there. Had a great week last week. I'm just curious, what is the Penix refractory period? <laughs> You know, is he going to come right back and be ready to go at it again this week? He's a young man. He is. So, you're thinking, you dug deep for that one. Nice job. Oh, you caught me off guard. All right. Um, here's the deal. Uh, I still trust the Indiana defense, okay? It's just that I also trust the Penn State defense, okay? I trust the uh, – uh, the rushing attack of both teams about the same, which is to say I don't trust them that much, but I still think there is a better chance of the Penn State rushing attack busting out. And then on top of that, the overall talent, the we want to prove this, the history between Penn State and Indiana, I think you see that play out here. This line has moved up, so the public seems to agree with me. I've got Penn State 35 Indiana 16, so that's a pretty easy Penn State cover. I had to kind of fudge it a little bit to get it uh, at under the under, so I got 50. Actually, I can do, you know, I'm going to take that back. Since the over-under went up, I'm going to say Penn State 35, Indiana 17, so I'm going to go with a 52 point. That's one and a half point under the over-under. I wouldn't touch that thing, but I do like Penn State to cover. Over-under is at 53 and a half? 53 and a half. 53 and a half, okay. Yep. So I do think Penn State also wins the game. I think it's just too much going to into Beaver Stadium, of course, the revenge game, but I think the Hoosiers are, pr are proud. Tommy is going to get them ready to play. So I think here's here's my score. Penn State 33, Indiana 28, but I think it's a late cover by Indiana. I'm going Indiana with a cover, and that's an over. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Kind of uh, getting get into uh, scoring position late in the game, which is – I think it's not as close as that score indicates. Yeah. I could see it, too. I This was a tough week to pick. It was. Yeah. Week. I mean, I struggled at first. I had to really – kind of envision the games in my head yes. and go deep before I came up with the decision on each one. Which is always fun when you wind up being just amazingly wrong in the end. Sure. But it's at, at least fun to think about it, right? That's right. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Bo podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. We'll talk to you soon.